It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, May 29th, 2014. We're glad that you're listening tonight, and we look forward to your comments. 877-381-4567 is toll-free, and it is open for you now. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use if you're watching us live tonight. The chat window to the bottom of your video feed is open for you to discuss the topics tonight with other listeners. Sign in there, and you can join in the discussion. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. And there's somebody between us tonight. Yeah, we've got Jack Coleman uh, joining us tonight. Jack's one of our elders here at College View. He had to come and sit in the middle of us so we don't get in a fight again. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to break up any disagreement. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Jack, Jack, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, wait a minute. Get him, get him up there. Let's try that now, Jack. Uh, thank you. Sound you. better. Yeah, yeah that's better. That's Glad better. to be here. And uh, Monty is behind the controls tonight. Monty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jacob. It's good to be here. We'll look forward to hearing from you as well tonight, Monty. And we got both of these guys here tonight, not just on accident. They've both been on the program with us before, but we have them here tonight for a special reason. We'll explain that as we get into our topic for tonight, Jacob. Well, hit us with that topic. All right. Uh, tonight we want to talk about... The participation of Christians in civil government. Uh, is it the right thing to do? Should we do it? Can we do it? Uh, would there be any pro- prohibition against doing it? Right. Is the idea that we want to investigate. And the reason why uh, we have Jack and here and Monty behind the, the board over there is that both of these guys, members here at College View, uh, are currently running for political office in our community of Murray County, Tennessee. They're both running for the uh, school board in our county. So you called them here to put them on the hot seat to yeah. defend their actions. Yeah, we, we hope to skewer them uh, thoroughly yes. Yes. with hard questions. And, uh, and uh, no, seriously, we want to get their input. They've chosen, they've made a decision as Christians to get involved in the political process. So we want to, to get their insights and some of their thoughts in regards to the question, all right, uh, can early, we be involved in in politics? They, that's that's exactly. It's not, this is not a political campaign that uh, that Monty and Jack are not yeah, here to. Actually, they paid us huge sums of money yeah, right. uh, so that so we would public, plug their campaigns. I forgot to put my banner though behind. So I'm, I'm really. <laughs> this is some efficient. kind of publicity stunt, isn't it? <laughs> right. yeah. No, seriously, uh, it, it, it is a worthy it's a serious question. question. It is a, a lot question. of people have questions about it, and yeah. there are certain religious groups who forbid. Uh, interaction with government. Yeah. So, uh, and and I, I know there are Christians who have questions about. Yeah, that. and here are the questions I sent out earlier today to our update list. We always remind you right at this time that if you're not on our update list, you can get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com, and we'll just just put in the subject line, add me to your list. Remember when you do that that College View is spelled funny, C O L L E G E, and then. V-U-E on the end is the way we spell College okay. View. I don't know why we do, but we do. And so uh, questions at College View is how you get to us with questions, comments, or to request to be put on our uh, update list. Okay. So to our update list about noon today, we send out these questions. Number one, can Christians be involved in the political process of our civil government? 
Yes or no, support your answer with Scripture. If yes, in other words, if you're one of those who say, yes, you can, would it include voting in elections, running for or holding elected office, or being an employee of the government? Okay. So that's our first question. Then, since Jack and Monty are both running for the public school board, uh, we ask, are there advantages uh, from a Christian's perspective, are there advantages to the public school system? Mm-hmm. Secondly, can Christians be involved in helping to set policy in the schools? If yes, how might this be accomplished? And then the third part of that question, what about homeschooling? Would Christians be right or wrong to choose homeschooling over public schools? And what factors might lead to a decision to homeschool one's children? So we got a we got a pretty Ooh. full schedule here tonight, Jacob. We do, and we'll look forward to uh, cramming it fuller with your comments at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. You know, I, I think some of our listeners might imagine, Jacob, that when we ask the first question, "Can Christians be involved in the political process of our civil government uh, by voting or running for and holding public office?" I think a lot of our people might might kind of wonder about that question and think, well, of course they can. Whoever whoever imagined otherwise. Right. I, I think it's kind of accepted as a given mm-hmm. by most folks these days, but it has not always been so. And it's not uh, all not everyone today even agrees yeah, with that. That's us, right. But, but go ahead. Uh, I got uh, just to show you that this has been a thing debated through the centuries. Uh, many of our listeners will recognize the name David Lipscomb, who was an early pioneer preacher among churches of Christ, uh, even here in Middle Tennessee. And David Lipscomb wrote a book titled Civil Government. And uh, he took the position that Christians ought not to vote. He contended that since the Bible teaches that God rules in the kingdoms of men and puts into office those that he chooses, quoting Daniel 2.21 and 4.17, Christian people ought to leave the matter to him and remain aloof of the political process. Uh, he, by the way, uh, Lipscomb was also a pacifist and believe, did not believe Christians should serve in the military. I know, and I know. that was during that was right at Civil War time when he was when he was making those positions. Okay. There are Christians today who still hold to that view. Yeah, and then uh, historian Edward Gibbon declared that early Christians refused to take quote any active part in the civil administration of the empire. Talking about the Roman Empire. Philip Schaff, church historian, similarly called attention to the early Christians, quote, disregard for politics and depreciation of all civil and temporal affairs as compared with the spiritual and eternal interest of men. And so, uh, as, as I said, I, I think some people would maybe be surprised by the question, but the fact of the matter is it, it has been a point of controversy through the centuries. Some have, some have said no. Christians shouldn't be. And as you said, Jacob, I know of some even today who hold that position. I think it's cer- certainly a minority position, but that doesn't make and it right it's, or wrong. And a matter of conscience, though, we yeah. wouldn't argue with you if you felt like it was the wrong thing to do. Absolutely don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but we want to talk tonight. Do we have authority from the Scriptures to be involved in the political process? Uh, Jack, I know you're sitting here tonight, and you're involved in that political process, so I know that you uh, you have faith. And you, from what you can read in God's Word, that this is the appropriate thing to do. And we'll look forward to you explaining that. And we'll look forward to our listeners uh, joining in the discussion of, uh, is it possible, is it appropriate for Christians to be engaged in the political process? What is, Jack, give us, start us out on that. What do you think? Where, where would you go? In, in other words, you've chosen to do so. Uh, and if someone challenged you, let's say that I disagreed with your decision to do that, what, what kind of scriptural arguments would you make to convince me that it is the right thing to do? I'd uh, 
have to start off in, uh, by going to Romans 13. I think that uh, Roman thir- Romans 13 gives uh, the gives the authority uh, for for that involvement. But first and foremost, I want to make sure that uh, we all understand that uh, that we're authorized, you know, to have uh, a governments and to, to work in governments. But uh, again, I believe yes, because God authorizes government. And I would cite again Romans 13. Um, the Apostle Paul here in Romans 13 indicates that God established the need for governments. Uh, or governing authorities, the American standard says, I think the new, or King James has higher powers, but that these authorities, uh, gain their authority from God. So, I guess my question is, if we're considering, uh, people who work, uh, as higher powers, or as work as, uh, rulers, uh, in authority, that, uh, these rulers are ministers of God, so, I'm, so you got a definition of sin here. If, if if it is according to God's will that there be governments, then how could it be a sin? Uh, you know, but, I, to, but to fulfill I, that will. I've actually had fairly involved conversations with Christians that I respected, who said, for instance, yes, it's right for civil government to have things like a police officer, but a Christian couldn't be a police officer. That, at, which I think is a self-contradictory position. If it's a right thing by the will of God, for instance, even here in, in Romans chapter 13, it says that uh, uh, civil government beareth not the sword in vain. He is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. You know, so I think there Paul is even suggesting that civil government could execute evildoers for their crimes. And, and I know of some who say, that's right, I believe in capital punishment. But I don't think a Christian could be an executioner. Well, I wouldn't want to be an executioner, but I tell you, I don't think the executioner is sinning when he carries out his fulfilled duty, fulfills his assigned duty. It can't at the same time both be the will of God and be a sin to do it. It can't be. It's impossible. That's a self-contradictory position. And now some, I think, would make the argument, well, God wants it, but he has he doesn't want Christians to do it. And I, I would ask you to prove that from the scriptures. Are you saying there's two sets of rules here, one for the Christian, one for the non-Christian? And, and, and now please understand, I'm not saying I want to be an executioner. Nor are you saying that you want... should do it if you have a problem with it. I mean, right, but right. we're just saying we believe the scriptures authorize it. Yeah, yeah. Money. Money. It would seem to me that if a person was being the executioner, if that was his job, in effect, it's not really him that's doing the executing. He's just a tool of the state to accomplish that God appointed task now you'd have other factors to consider as well you don't make sure that you were uh, if you're engaged in this that the man you're executing is in fact guilty i mean you would uh, so there'd be well, lots of other factors there, there's a lot of like, things we're just making a general observation right, right. now if we if it was a very corrupt government for instance if you were in nazi germany right. uh, in the 40s and you were assigned to a death camp and yeah. you were executing innocent people then I think a Christian would have to exercise his conscience and say, I can't be a part of that. Yeah. I think my government is wrong in that, and I'm not going to be their, their agent to fulfill that. Um, right. Okay. Um, I've got uh, a passage from the Old Testament, I think, that shines a little bit of light on this. Go ahead. Second uh, Samuel chapter 23, near the end of David's life, he's uh, reporting on something that uh, he was told by God. Uh, he says in verse 2 of 2 Samuel 23, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The Lord, uh, the God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, 
ruling in the fear of God. God wants people who rule over men to be godly individuals. So if God wants godly individuals to be the rulers, then certainly it wouldn't be wrong for godly people, Christians, to be involved in politics. I think that's that's a good verse. Uh, in the chat room, Jim in, in uh, Kentucky, Jim in Kentucky says, God used nations like Assyria and Babylon to execute his will, yet one would not suggest that either nation was faithful to God, he says, just a thought. And that's certainly true. In fact, uh, here we just recently wrapped up a study of Habakkuk where Habakkuk was sort of questioning God for using Babylon as his agent, uh, a wicked nation. Uh, but then, of course, God answered Habakkuk saying, yes, but I'm going to judge them as well. But as Jim uh, observes, God uses nations. And he can, of course, this is true. This is true characteristic of God. God can cause his purposes to be fulfilled one way or the other. He can use, uh, he can, he can use evil men to accomplish the purpose that he intends to, 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 you know, to accomplish one way or the other, but Jim's observation is a good one, I think. And Ramona in Texas uh, says, yes, for these reasons. He ordained it, Romans 13, 3. Uh, government is designed for our good. Uh, he know uh, he knew that fallen humans needed authority over them, Romans 13, 3 and 4. Um, and uh, we have a responsibility to pray for government, Ramona says. And uh, she cites uh, there 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Uh, she says, this is the only place in the entire Bible where you'll find the phrase, first of all, Paul's point to Timothy is, before you pray for anyone else, before you pray for anything else, first pray for those in positions of authority and leadership. Interesting. All right. Bob in Indiana says, yes, God's people can be involved. He references in the Old Testament, Joseph. Of course, Joseph became like A ruler. the number second highest ranking person in the, probably the greatest nation of its day yeah. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Moses and Aaron, who were both religious leaders but also civil leaders over Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, the judges, Matthew, who was a tax collector, obviously working for the Roman Empire. He mentions the rich young ruler, and I wonder if the rich young ruler, uh, if if he was a civil, uh, if the the term ruler if applied to civil authority or a ruler in the in the religious right hierarchy of, of uh, mm-hmm. the Jews. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. But he says the rich young ruler was not condemned for his role in government. Uh, he says that's a quick list. I'm sure I left some out. But yes, he says he thinks God's people can be involved in civil government. All right. Chris in Atlanta says uh, yes on all of the above. You ask about voting, running, etc. I know of no prohibition in God's word on being involved in the political process. I would caution that any Christian seeking political office be mindful of the corrupt influence it can have on a person and always be on guard. 1 Corinthians 15.33, our government has designed a system that allows us to participate in the political process. To back up my view, I would use Romans 13.1 that states we are to obey the government, as long as they are not commanding us to violate God's word. Well, we're not commanded to participate, we're allowed to. So he put a couple verses together there to show that he would believe you'd have authority to participate. Any thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, well, I want to say that uh, it's it's unique in our situation is that our constitution shows that we are we uh, as indicates that we are the people we are the government it's the we just happen to have uh other people who represent us at a different location but we are the government yeah. so as such if we are the government i, I think of proverbs 29:2 where we can see what happens when we don't have people that are good in the government uh when the righteous are in authority the people rejoice but when a wicked man rules the people groan or if the righteous are not involved, 
the citizens will involve, are involved, the citizens will, citizens will rejoice, and if the wicked are more involved, the citizens will mourn. In other words, it, it, it's actually commending a situation where the righteous rule. Right. So obviously righteous people involved in the in the governing of civil affairs. Right, and we are we are doing our best to be righteous and to be found doing what God would have us to do. So all the more, I believe, we have an obligation to participate. Okay. Jacob, we're up to break time. Let's let's take a break, and then let's continue this discussion on the other side. All right. When we get back, we'll continue the discussion. We want to know about voting. You know, you mentioned uh, there David Lipskins in his quote said, uh, you know, God's ruling in the kingdoms of men, so get out of the way. Uh, what do you think about voting, running for office, being an employee of the government? Let us know your thoughts. A lot of people are employed by the government in the United States. We probably Increasing have, Including numbers. Ramona. <laughs> she works for that uh, three-letter agency that you have to pay your taxes to every year, I believe. So, uh, isn't she with the IRS? I believe she uh, is. She right? might be, yeah. Yeah, so, well, we won't disc- – no, no, she's not, I don't guess. So, anyhow, she's with Social Security. We, yet Social Security, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, uh, we want to th- know your thoughts. Can you work for the government? Give us your thoughts, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. We have become a generation of people who worship our work, who work at our play, and who play at our worship. If God is your partner, make plans large. It is the character of very few men to honor without envy a friend who has prospered. A man who does not read his Bible has no advantage over the man who cannot read it. Man, wish I'd said that. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about Christians in civil government. We're going to get into the idea of schooling as well and uh, maybe homeschooling. What do you think about that? But those are all connected subjects here on the program tonight what about being involved in government what about voting we've got we've got uh two of our members here at college view who are currently running for political office in our community uh jack coleman and monty overton are, are with us tonight monty's behind the board you don't see him all the time i don't know and uh, and, and um, chris in georgia warned us about the corrupting influence of politics i don't know is the school board is that a necessarily a, a corrupt position monty uh, i probably could be oh but, really uh, but as i think about it I believe that any job that you have or any endeavor that you take up in this world has the potential for corruption. Absolutely. Because there's there's an evil influence that most of the machine shops I've ever worked in, most of the people there were very foul-mouthed. Some of them was incredibly foul-mouthed. And when you're constantly bombarded by this evil influence of these people talking nasty around you, it affects you whether you want it to or not. We Obviously, we don't want it to, but it does affect us. So we have to be careful no matter what endeavor we undertake to not be corrupted or, or, or destroyed by it. So whether it's a political endeavor or whether it's just our regular jobs, we, ha- we have a responsibility to guard against that evil influence. The devil use any avenue. That's right. All right. Good, good comments. We got an email from Stephen 
uh, who says, of course, we can and should be involved. As our founding fathers often wrote, that America can only, America can only be governed by a godly moral people. All of our universities were started as, as an extension of one denomination or another. This is not to condone denominationalism. And now that politically motivated and vocal minority of atheists have all but eliminated God from the public arena. One need only to look around to see the carnage and to hold one's breath for the wrath of God that is coming upon not just America but the world. From my eschatological view, wow, however, that almost got stuck. Man, that out. was hard to get out. Yep. I believe that the cast is set and it is basically too late to affect any lasting change. The Apostle Paul called upon his Roman citizenship and appealed to Caesar to hear his case. Daniel was very involved in a pagan government and had a positive influence that spanned history. Joseph likewise ended up second in command of the most powerful nation and saved, saved the Jews as well as the known world. The saints that reign and rule with Jesus in the millennium as he rules the nations with a rod of iron. I don't know if he's suggesting premillennialism there or not. If he is, we don't, we don't agree about that. Saints will reign and rule with Jesus in the millennium. I don't agree with that. That's the wrong statement, Stephen. We'll have to talk about premillennialism sometime. Jesus is not going to set up a millennial kingdom on earth. If Christians in America don't get involved, then we cede the power to the atheists with all their ungodly agendas. We end up with what we deserve in this world ruled by Satan. Well, thanks, right. Stephen, for your comments tonight. All right. Uh, so uh, I think we're getting a, sort of a unanimous agreement from at least those who have responded that, yeah, they think it is the right thing to do. Jim in Kentucky says, I believe they can. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's in Matthew 21, ver- 22, verse 21. Our government is made up of the people. It is specifically designed so the average person has an important part to play. At the very least, we should be involved in the voting process. If we're expected to pay taxes to support the government, we should be involved in helping them determine the best way for those taxes to be spent. So he says, well, that sort of leads us into the voting question. Yeah. Uh, Jim says you should vote. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking, along, I dug out some old notes I had on this, and, and I was thinking along the same lines has been suggested that Paul there were three instances where Paul used his Roman citizenship as a defense for his personal safety. Uh, he did it in Philippi uh, he, when they beat him without trial. He said, is that lawful to do to a Roman? He did it in uh, Jerusalem when he was arrested, and he asked, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? And then, of course, most famously, uh, he appealed his case to Caesar in Acts 25, verse 11. So Paul, you know, he, he in, in objection to what David Lipscomb said, that Christians ought to leave the matters to God and remain aloof from the political process, doesn't seem like Paul did there as he was identifying himself as a Roman and using his rights as a Roman citizen. Uh, but maybe if I was going to make I think maybe the strongest case that I'd want to make for for voting or for being involved in the political process is as a means of accomplishing what Jesus assigned to us in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So I think that being involved by virtue of voting, or as Jack and, and Monty have chosen to do, perhaps even holding office, it is a way 
for us to accomplish being salt and light in in our world. Uh, uh, If everybody who has godly principles abstains from voting or participating in the political process, then we're obviously leaving it to people who have no godly principles, who will thus be in charge, and and we can only imagine that bad goes to worse. Jack? Yeah, I agree. I think that, that Matthew 5 is, is very important. It's not optional. It doesn't say you should be. We are salt and we are light. And how... What a better way to be able to exercise that by the people that we meet in these offices, which, which unfortunately, uh, you know, it's a, there's a negative connotation to politics. It's, it's, it's also around with deception and, and lies and, and people being sold out. But all the more Christians should be there to be able to be that kind of example and light and to give hope to others that are looking to these leaders, uh, to see them standing up and, and having the courage to do what's right. And so that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be salt and we're supposed to be light. And it's not optional. Well, but you would agree, I'm sure, that there's, uh, we think voting, for instance, is an expedient way to be salt and light. Exactly. In other words, it's a, there's judgment involved. Yeah. In, 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 in other words, we, we have to be salt and light. You don't have to vote. But, but voting doesn't right. have to be the way right. that we no. exercise that. You're saying command. it is no. one way you can. It's one way. I think exactly. it's, a, it's an expedient way to do it. Right. It is a way we can, at least, I don't think it should be the whole way we do it. It is, no. it is a partial, probably a small portion of what right. we should be able to do as salt and light in our community. But it is a way. Monty's arm's about to fall off over there. Monty, you're waving to go. Well, I was just thinking it come to me, uh, people talking, uh, the David Lipscomb saying that, in effect, if we're involved in government, we may be interfering with God's way that he wants to have things done or whatnot. First off, I don't think there's anything I can do to hinder or stop God from accomplishing his purpose. But as I think about an Old Testament example of that, when Queen Esther was told she needed to go before the king to effect the salvation of the Jews from this catastrophe that was coming on, Mordecai told her that if she didn't do it, God would that that she it may be the reason that she was put in that position was to accomplish that. But if she didn't do it, someone else would be raised up to accomplish that task. God was going to have His purpose accomplished one way or another. So if we're involved in the process, then we can contribute, and it may be we don't have no way of knowing what God's providence is today. But it may be that he puts us or allows us to be in this position in order to effect some kind of meaningful righteous change. One thing's for certain is that we will not get in the way of what God wants. We to can't happen. stop God. We can't mm-hmm. stop it. And and number, number two, we also know that we're supposed to do what God wants us to do as far as his instructions to us individually. Uh, and so well, we can do both of those. Larry in Kentucky in the chat room says several godly people served in government capacity, Moses, Joseph, David, and so forth in the Old Testament times. And then he goes on to say, I recently preached a sermon about Christians being involved in government and several complained about bringing politics into the service. It was obvious that they were not listening to the whole message. Uh, you know, I remember several years ago when Bill Clinton, all the scandal was going on with Monica Lewinsky in Washington and uh, I, I preached a lesson, basically, be sure your sins will find you out, you know, and use Bill Clinton as an illustration of the principle. Just an illustration. It wasn't a whole yeah. sermon about Bill Clinton. But I got criticized for making a political statement in a religious service, and it wasn't political. It's a moral question. You know, I think uh, 
morals and politics overlap, and when we and and when we're making a moral point uh, that may have some impact on a political situation, it doesn't make it a political situ- uh, a comment. It's a moral comment, and and so really, I think what Jack, what you're suggesting is we have a chance to take a stand morally. Uh, by virtue of involvement in politics. I agree. And, and the, the question I ask is how effective are we in that? It's, it's, the question is not, or again, I go back to being salt and light. That, that's, that's a given. The question to me is how effective is Jack in being salt and light? And, and if there's opportunities for us to affect that and try to, to shine and to be that light, then I, I, can't, I can't understand why you shouldn't try. You know, to 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 affect and try to help change. I, I think another thing too that most everybody realizes, although maybe we don't put it in practical application as much, on a local level, that's where we have the chance to have. In other words, right. I can vote for president. Good point. But my vote is almost insignificant on the, on the huge national scale. I have very little influence, effectively none, on what happens in Washington D.C. But I can have a pretty big impact on what happens in Murray County, Tennessee, I agree. where I live. You know, so you know when we think about trying to influence things for good, if if we are right in arguing that involvement in politics is a uh, an expedient way for us to be salt and light in our community, then politics at the local level is the most effective place to do that. Right, exactly, and that and that's what it is politics is 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 that means by which uh, and through governments that we can um, affect change. I mean, we are what we're trying to do is debate and and question uh, other people who are in power or who have who have been given this power through this political process. We have an opportunity to change that. We could change who's currently in these positions for good. Now, if they're good and they're doing the right thing, great. We want to support them. But uh, if if they're not, then we need to be involved through this political process so that we can help affect that change and get good people, God-fearing people, into these positions. Yeah, you know, I was thinking uh, just of some we, several of our participants in email and in the chat room have suggested some Old Testament examples. I think we could talk about some New Testament examples of people who were actively involved in government. And we were not condemned for it. Cornelius was a soldier in the yep. Roman army. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Philippian jailer mm-hmm. was employed he by was the in a governmental. He was in a governmental position uh, doing punishment. Of, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, one of those adventures. And I had another one in mind. Yeah, uh, who, who's the other one I was thinking of in in the Book of Acts? Um, uh, some of Caesar's household, but yeah, that's true. Uh, I, it'll, it'll come to me again in a minute. I, while I was talking, I lost my train of thought there. But but I. I th- um, I think we see instances of people who who became Christians but were not told you've got to get out of government now. If you're gonna be a if you're gonna be a Christian, one of the things you've got to separate yourself from is your involvement in the political process. Okay. Wasn't John the Baptist talking to he was talking to uh the tax collectors and the, and so the soldiers. soldiers. He, and didn't, he, didn't he didn't tell them to he quit. He didn't tell them to quit. Right. No. Right. right. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to quit here for a minute, and then we'll get back on the other side. Uh, we're going to get before too long. We're getting into the school system. Should we be involved in the school system? Should we have our kids in it? Should we have them at home, being educated at home? What are your thoughts about that? And, again, we're getting into some, some opinion here, some judgment, but uh, hopefully back it up with some scriptures. 
We'll look forward to hearing from you. We'll get this week's bullet point and go on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study is back right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point from the pen of A.C. Grider. One of the works of the flesh, as listed in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, is lasciviousness. The dictionary definition of lasciviousness is, quote, wanton, lewd, lustful, tending to produce lewd emotions. Men and boys are more often subject to a violation of the first part of the definition. If they are wanton or lustful, they are guilty of lasciviousness. But it is important to emphasize the part of the definition that more naturally affects the ladies. If a person is responsible for that which, quote, tends to produce lewd emotions, he or she is guilty of lasciviousness. It would be hard to imagine anything that tends to produce more lewd emotions than scanty attire on women. Conduct may tend to produce lewd emotions. Conversation may tend to produce lewd emotions. But I repeat, nothing tends to produce lewd emotions in men more readily than a scantily attired female. I doubt if there's one woman in a hundred that, when she wears scanty clothing, is unaware of the effect it is having on men. But aware or unaware, when she deports herself in such a way that lewd emotions are produced, she is guilty of the sin of lasciviousness. And Paul says that can keep her from going to heaven. It's serious. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out information about what we believe and practice at the College of Church of Christ and find out information on how you can come and join us in worship, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We're talking about Christians in government tonight. Jacob, my, during the break, Monty reminded me of the one I... memory. Jogged my memory, the one I couldn't think of. <laughs> I was thinking of another person converted... Uh, Sergius Paulus in Acts 13, verse 7, who was taught by Paul. Uh, he, uh, the New American Standard says he was the proconsul. Uh, I think that's probably good. One, one version calls him a governor of, of the country, a deputy of the country. So he was certainly involved in the civil government of the country. Okay. And he was not told, you got to quit that if you're going to be a Christian. All right. Uh, we ask about uh, running for office, and uh, Bob in Indiana said, uh, "Get involved and make a change. Run, vote, uh, vote, run for office or the school board. Become a teacher or aide. Support others politically who share your views and are running. If you're not, attend and get involved in the PTA or the PTO. Attend school board meetings, etc. Talk or lobby those in office. Someone is going to get uh, going to set policy. Someone is going to teach." These are regular people, not unlike ourselves. Who would you prefer having a Christian? Wouldn't you? Would you prefer having a Christian do so? All right. So, so he sort says of seg- an individual can make a difference. Be that individual. Amen. So, so he's sort of segueing us to the second point. Let's <clears throat> let's bring that in too. Uh, we're talking about involvement in in holding political office, uh, being being involved in community affairs at a political level. Both Jack Coleman here to my left and Monty, who's running the control board tonight, both are members here at College View. Both are running for the for the school uh, board here in our county. And so we asked the question, I want to get their input, in regards to our public school system, are there advantages from a Christian perspective to the public school system, and can Christians be involved 
in helping to set policy in the schools. Let's get Jim's comment from Kentucky to sort of segue us into this. As far as holding office, uh, Jim says, Jesus himself associated with publicans who were part of the Roman government system. He even chose one of these publicans, Matthew, to be one of his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 3. This suggests, at the very least, that each one may decide on their own part if they shall be involved in political office. If we accept what is said above about holding public office, then it should also answer the question about being an employee of the government. Paul was inspired to teach that governments can be good as they're designed to be ministers of God for good in Romans 13. So he says, yes, you can be involved in the government. And, uh, Jack, you think we should be involved in the government as well? Oh, I do. But and what about what about specifically Henry, the 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 political? In other words, it's, it's a little bit of an unusual thing. The the school, the public schools, you know, you think of them as an educational institution, but there's actually a political component to to the schools, and 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 the schools uh, have as those who make decisions relative to the schools are are those who hold political office and are elected to that office, right? Well, really, that that's not an issue. Uh, well, let's put it this way. There should, there really should be no politics in the school board. And we're, um, I've not had anybody ask me, frankly, what my political uh, no, words, they didn't, my, no one has said, no, did you vote for Barack Obama no, in the last election? No, no. And, and, and frankly, um, for myself, um, uh, although I have, uh, a uh, a a political view um, when I'm when I'm in this position, if elected to be in this position, um, that what we call politics or uh, trying to uh, maybe uh, push one side, whether Republican or conservative, or excuse me, Republican or Democrat, or even constitution constitutional party or whatever. Um, I, I'm I'm looking at what. Uh, was going to be the benefit for all of the children in combination with all the other uh, school board members. So I'm I'm not personally going to push my political office or po- political uh, aspirations. I, I frankly uh, am an independent, really. So I, I uh, I'm I'm looking at um, uh, uh, as a Republican side or Democrat or uh, or constitutionalist. I, I'm I'm looking at what's the benefit for the children, not not saying well I'm going to push my Republican uh, agenda or constitutionalist agenda or Democratic. Yeah. So I, the, the political part of the school board, I'm not privy to at this point. Uh, how does that work and uh, on the school board? I, I don't know yet, and I, I hope to get in there to find out. But but for me, I, I'm going to focus primarily on helping the children. What's the but best for you them? You don't have any aspirations then of uh, some kind no. of personal promotion or, no. uh, or some kind of ego trip that you're going to get out of that? Uh, no, I, I'm not. Uh, but, you know, I, fact, I think I'm there's not. indication. I think uh, I even heard of a candidate that was that thought you know this would maybe serving on a on the public school board would sort of pad his resume for future opportunities to run for other higher political offices if if I knew that about a candidate, that'd be reason enough for me not to vote for him right but, there. but jack what you're what you've said is that you believe Christians can get involved in government to be the salt and light, and that is your motivation that's why you're getting involved. My motivation is first and foremost for the children because um, we we need lights and school board members set policy. That's one of the main things that they do: set policies for the school system. So if if Monty and I and and and, and others uh, can help make good policies 
that will have a positive effect on our children, you better believe it. That's that's what we're going to go for. That's what we want to do. Well, uh, Monty, aside. Monty, any thoughts along those lines? Well, I agree with what Jack's saying. Whatever influence that we can have on the school board needs to be based on the merits of the particular proposal or whatever that's being discussed. It doesn't need to be a political issue one way or the other. And we need to look at it and see what how we can be the best influence that we can be for our children and our grandchildren that are coming along through the school system. What my personal feelings are are really irrelevant other than they are going to help affect my judgment on what I perceive to be the best course of action to, to make the best benefit for those in the school system. Let me ask you both a question just this, just from a practical standpoint. So you're on the you're on the school board, and they they are debating this thing this issue for policy establish establishing a policy relative to something that has a moral component to it that you feel strongly about. But it ends up that you're in a minority position on the school board, and the school board ends up establishing a policy that very much you don't agree with. How how do you see that? From a practical standpoint, in other words, I'm on the school board, and the school board just came out with a policy that I adamantly disagree with. Uh, how, how will you handle that in, in eventuality? Well, uh, I don't represent the school board. If I'm elected and I and I get asked that question, the, the answer is that this, this is the decision of the school board. Uh, I have no problem saying that I disagreed with that decision. I voted against I it. I voted against that. And if asked, I would say that. My constituents ask me, hey, how did you vote on this particular issue, this moral issue? And I'm going to tell them how I voted on it. I'm I'm hoping that I've expressed enough of my convictions on my website and uh, to let people – so there's no guesswork. In other words, let's say, as we've heard so often, you know, some new thing comes along that they're going to teach – something sex education they're going to distribute right. contraceptives in the right. public schools and so forth uh and the school board sets a policy approving this action you would feel comfortable from a conscious standpoint just saying i voted against it i tried i tried my best to make that not happen correct right money i assume that's the same with you. yeah i feel the same way i don't really see that in a way that that's any different from voting for representatives in higher forms of government and telling those representatives when something's coming through, say, I'm firmly against this, I believe it's morally wrong. I've done what I could to stop that immoral activity from taking place, but I'm not actually totally in control of it. Okay, I I think that's right. Uh, Shall we move on to the uh, advantages then? Of the yeah, of, we have enough stump speeches here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we ask uh, in regards to our public school system: Are there advantages from a Christian's perspective to the school system, the public school system? Ramona says yeah, she's got some interesting comments here. Yeah, I am reading she, Ramona. She, she says good kids emerge yeah. from all school situations, and bad kids emerge from all school situations. So uh, she says public schools can do some things better than you. And you can do some things better than public schools. Jack, you've had kids in both situations. And he's been, Jack's been a teacher, too. You agree mm-hmm. with that? Uh, I, I think you can. I, I don't say that there's one uh, method fits all. Um, I think personally that the parents should have that right to choose. I, 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 am, I remember years ago uh, when Jessica was born, we at first had planned to put her in the public school. And we finally, uh, when she reached the age of six, I think it was seven, we decided that uh, we were going to homeschool her. Uh, I was uh, uh, 
I shouldn't say I was opposed vehemently by uh, some of my family, um, but it, it, the, 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 the point is it, it's my decision. It's as the father is the head of the house, and I, of course my wife and I both agreed on this, uh, that we chose to homeschool uh, at an early age. Uh, but it should be anyone's choice that they want to homeschool, private school, or public school. I don't think we should force that upon them, uh, upon the parents. So you're saying it's a judgment call? Uh, it, it is a judgment call. Whether and they put their kids in public we, school. Or uh, pri- or pri- or exactly. School. And so the, the, uh, others know I had made, we made that decision yearly because we went from homeschool to private school to public school, back to private school, and uh, and homeschool. I have my, uh, my oldest daughter is now being homeschooled, but uh, my 15-year-old, she's 18, my 15-year-old is in public school. Okay. So I uh, I made that decision based on the individual. I think that's child. an important uh, point for us to make, though, because Christians have strong opinions on both sides of the fence, and sure. we've got to make sure that we're not binding our judgment on other people. I think that's right. right. That's, no, that's, 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 a, that's a, a principle that applies in lots of areas, not okay. just to our discussion. Because the, the decisions right. you make are based on your good judgment, yeah. and uh, right. if someone makes a different decision, we've got to be able to distinguish between what's right and wrong versus what's just a judgment. Yeah, there, there is black and white, right and wrong, yeah. and we've got to be right on those questions. But when it comes to a question of judgment, we've got to leave room for others to exercise that. And homeschooling or public schooling is one of those emotionally charged issues where it's easy to cross the line and start yeah. to get judgment. Yeah, we've got to take a break here in a minute. But Chris in Atlanta says, I would say the advantage to the public school system would be from an economic perspective. It is much cheaper than private school. As a parent of children in public school, you have to be very involved. First off, you have to ensure they have solid biblical teaching on a regular basis. The things my daughters have been exposed to in public school is shocking. Thankfully, they have been taught well, and they learn to be their own person, not to bow down to those influences. I do see one minor advantage in that the public school environment gives them a good idea of what they will face in college in the secular working world. I cannot stress enough that parents have to be very engaged with their children while in public school. Okay. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, but I, I know the I know the answer that homeschoolers make to that. That public school education is a relatively new phenomenon, and that for all the history of mankind, children were taught and trained without a public school system to do that work. That parents did it themselves. Uh, I, I think there could be some advantages. Uh, uh, I, I, I don't think there could be. I think there are advantages uh, that public schools provide. Uh, I think the negatives increasingly weigh against the, the positives in the public school system. Uh, and so the, it just I, I'm like Jack. I think your judgment on that has to change, ha, has to be constantly in mind, and year by year, location by location, it will be different. In other words, if you're in rural middle Tennessee, you might make a decision about a public school that you would make, and, and your decision would be totally different if you were in the middle of New York City. Right. And we, we did have that similar situations because we've moved a few times in the military. And so, you you know, that that was very much the case. It, it, but it is a judgment call. Uh, but, again, uh, there are people who these are judgment calls that people have to make and, 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 and things that people have to weigh out. Jim in Kentucky says, yes, but today, talking about advantages in public school, yes, but today we must be on constant guard, being vigilant for our schools are not specifically designed to instill only knowledge but a certain type of knowledge. It does seem our public schools today are being run by those who are bent, whose bent is liberal. Uh, godliness seems to be dishonored or mocked, and worldliness is approved. So 
there are issues here that we've got to decide with our children. Uh, are you going to put them in public school or are you going to put them in private school? Some say put them in public school so they get exposure to these influences and learn how to deal with them as children. Uh, some say take them out and keep them at home so they're not exposed to those influences yet. What are your thoughts? We'll continue the discussion when we get back from the break. Uh, we need to know um, homeschool, public school, get involved in the school board. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Welcome to Do You Know, a portion of the virtual Bible study that is dedicated to testing your Bible knowledge. The question for this week is how old was Adam when he died? We'll give you a few moments to think about it and we'll be back. Consider this. Bob Buchanan wrote that the American Indians used to give their children the name that they earned according to certain traits or characteristics. Thus, some girl might be named Laughing Water, Bright Eyes, or Timid One. A boy might be named Sly Fox, Running Deer, or Fighting Tiger. Suppose God gave his children the name that they had earned. Some would be named Generous Heart, Helping Hand, Dedicated Elder, Faithful Teacher, Willing Worker, Steadfast Saint, and so forth. But on the other hand, there would be some wearing such names as Gossip Spreader, Ugly Heart, Troublemaker, Grudge Bearer, Evil Tongue, Lukewarm Member, and so forth. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verse 1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And so a great name is far more desirable than great fame. It's important that our name should be free from disgrace and that it should be honored for purity and integrity of character. I think you'll agree. That's worth considering. Time's up. The question for this week was how old was Adam when he died? That answer is found in Genesis chapter 5, verse 5. Which reads, So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Please turn in next week for another question from Do You Know? See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program. We're talking about uh, involvement in public schools. Appreciate Jeff for giving us that uh, question there. Did you know the answer? I didn't know. I, I knew it was 900-something, but something. I didn't know. He was old. Yeah, 930. Pretty old. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about uh, being involved in public schools? Monty, what are you thinking? What about, we asked the question, uh, can Christians be involved in helping to set policies in the schools? If yes, how might this be accomplished? And, of course, you're, you're trying to accomplish that through a school board uh, position. What do you think? Well, I believe there's more than one way. I mean, obviously, if you could accomplish being on the school board, you'd have a great in, greater influence on the policies that are set. But the way our process is set up, there's opportunity for people that are not on the school board, just regular persons, to go up there and make comments and be involved in the discussion of what is being taken place there. <coughs> so we can affect a an input on the policies and how they're established either way. All right. Ramona in Texas said she was a former teacher, and she says work with the school board, demand that the right things be taught. Yeah, you know, these things wouldn't necessarily come to your mind uh, unless you had some exposure to that, uh, either teaching or in the home in the school board, as you said, Jack, but uh, you know, we don't have to necessarily be elected, as Monty said. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Chris in Atlanta says, I would say yes, being involved in PTO and other committees, running for school board and volunteering at the risk of being run out of town on a rail, I do not want the elected officials to promote or encourage religion at public schools. 
it would be wonderful we had elected officials that were all members of the church and made policies that were favorable for Christianity. But the other reality is we may have a majority of elected officials that may be Muslim, Mormon, New Age, etc., and could enforce policies contrary to God's word. I prefer to be responsible for my child's religious instruction and not the school. We won't run you out of rail for that. I actually agree agree with that. I I don't want the schools teaching kids religion, but I don't want them to be antagonistic toward their faith system either. You know, and so I think that's the balance point, Jack. I agree. I, I I, I don't want the public school system teaching religion because it's going to be potentially handed over to somebody. First of all, it's, it's God's word. It, it's, it's a, a living, it's, it's a document. It's God's inerrant word for mankind. It's not just any other book. And I don't want someone teaching it that could care less, you know, about it and just teaching it as a, just a simple book when they could end up doing more damage than good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've always held that position. I think it's the right one is, we don't want our, our schools to be antagonistic toward our kids and their faith, you know, to belittle them, to run it down, to degrade their 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 conscience and their convictions. But leave leave the teaching of that to me. I'll, I'll teach my kids that. You just but you let them be. You let them alone. Money. Well, when I think about that, I, you hear a lot of people talk about how bad it is now that they've taken prayer out of school. Well, realistically, as we're talking about, I don't want religion being promoted. And realistically, in our society, if we allow prayer, then we've got to allow Christian prayer of any denominations, understanding of that. We'd have to allow Muslim prayer, Buddhist prayer, or even uh, devil worshiper prayer. I mean, we'd have to allow for all these things. And so realistically, it's better to leave that completely out of the school system. And the schools need to be focused on reading, writing, and arithmetic and educational things, as we're saying, and leave our religious service where it belongs. And that's in the home or at other places. But, but you know, if I'm in the mood to pray, they can't anybody stop me from praying. I can make a silent prayer to God any time I want to. But school is not the place to be promoting that kind of thing, I don't believe. I got some good comments from Jim in Kentucky. You, you got those? Yeah. He says, get on the local PTA or PTO and find out what's happening in schools. Volunteer for whatever needs are requested at the local school level. This means starting when your children are small and working with the teachers and administration as your children move up and while the while in the schools. Uh, as while the schools will allow it to be so, while they'll allow you to be involved. It was our experience that in the elementary and middle school levels, they encouraged parent involvement but limited or discouraged it at the high school level. Uh, go over your children's homework, monitor what they read, and discuss Ask questions about what they are taught in the school. One year, our daughter was being taught about dinosaurs in middle school, and something came up about how it was not possible for there to have been a worldwide flood in Noah's day. When I heard about this, I sent a letter to the teacher and suggested that I could present a compelling case to prove likewise without using the Bible. She was very interested, allowed me to do so one day to the whole class. Wow, excellent, Jim. Continue to volunteer throughout their school years in whatever way you can, academics, clubs, sports, music, and so forth. We were involved in PTA, volunteering to read. My wife made popcorn each Friday at the elementary school for students who were awarded for being good students that week. Many of those kids remembered her as the popcorn queen. Mm -hmm. We let the kids have their meetings at our home when they were involved in academic clubs. We served as band officers and chaperones. We stayed involved at every level until they were out of school. Did it take a lot of time? You bet. Are we glad we did? Yes. Part of the problem that exists today is the family model where both parents work outside the home. You know, I think that's, that's one, right. one way that the, the public schools have so much power today is that uh, parents are ready and willing to hand their kids off to, to outsource the education. 
I actually heard someone on the radio recently say, oh, man, school's almost out. Now what are we going to do with the oh, kids? Yeah. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. The, very much the mindset there was the school is actually our babysitter. Right. But actually, the, 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 they're raising the kids by proxy. You know, the parents want fed of that responsibility. And, they like, and they'd like to have some right. time to do yeah. whatever they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. There, we, the, 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 the few schools that we have been involved with um, – over time, you, at the PTO, PTA meetings, uh, uh, the first first meeting, the beginning of the year, is, is the one you'll have everybody. But then um, after subsequent meetings, it's like crickets chirping. You know, yeah. no one's there. Yeah. And that's really sad. It's really yeah. sad. Uh, so I think the thing that one of the takeaways from our discussion here with you and Jack and Monty here, are we, we need to be involved at some in some way, you know, in, in both the community and in our schools, especially if you got kids in school. Mm-hmm. You've got to be involved, whether mm-hmm. that means running for school board or doing something else. But there, you've got to you've got to have a, your your finger on the pulse, or you're you're just asking for problems. You ask. We got just a few minutes, and maybe you did this by design because this could be a, a pretty uh, charged discussion. What about homeschooling? Would it be right or wrong to homeschool? Well, Jack and Monty too. You guys have been homeschoolers. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously, you you see that as a viable alternative, Monty. Well, we our children both participate in public school and homeschool. We we did both also, uh, but a lot of it had to do with the location where we were at at the time, uh, our particular children's nature, and uh, part of it had to do with things that was taking place in the on the school bus that our children had to ride that influenced us to make our decisions. Uh, some people obviously aren't capable of homeschooling and so those people definitely shouldn't and as jack said some people can't afford it i don't think it's a right or wrong issue i think it's a judgment issue and if you feel like in your judgment that's what's best for your children and your family then that's probably what you should do but if you don't as one of the somebody commented earlier these good people comes out of both systems and these bad people comes out mm-hmm. of both systems and so that's a choice we mm-hmm. have to make whether we're going to be good or bad and that's really not entirely related to which type of education we're getting. Hey, Ramona has a comment along those lines. She says, there is no guarantee of righteousness. It takes more than homeschooling to teach your children to become righteous, including Bible study attendance at church and Christian parents. Chris I think I'd agree with that. Chris in Atlanta says, it's a decision that should not be made lightly. There's a lot to consider. The school system in our county has an online school. If students wish to use it instead of traditional classroom, we allowed our youngest to finish the last half of the year this way for some personal issues we had with our school and teachers. This can be a great tool, but the student has to be very disciplined to, to do this. Mm-hmm. It is definitely not for all students. While she did fine on the online school, she did admit she missed the interaction with other students. Uh, you know, the technology is making some new things possible, and parents with kids need to stay up on the technological advantages that are becoming available. I, I would I would say that for sure. I right. agree, and I, it could be you, you could be surprised to see how the face of education really changed in yeah. the next ten to fifteen years Real with regard quick, to technology. Uh, Jim and uh, says about uh, homeschooling. There's no right or wrong with choosing to homeschool. Many states are now seeking to control who can homeschool. Mm-hmm. Some states require that the parent doing the teaching to have a bachelor's degree. There are obvious benefits: more time with children, greater trust in your care, and pitfalls. If you the parent are teaching and you are sick, your children lose valuable time. Some parents can get burned out, and that leaves a child or children to have to attend public school later on what they've never had to do when they've never had to do so before. Those who teach at home are to be commended and need a great amount of discipline and patience, but many have done so, and their children have succeeded. 
you know, I think that when you, you said when you started homeschooling your firstborn that, man, people were just sort of really upset with you for making that kind of decision. Don't you think that, that the acceptance of homeschooling, especially among Christians, has really increased oh, over it, time? It has. It was unpopular when we were doing it, but it's much more popular now. And and so, you know, I, for whatever reasons, but uh, I'm I'm just thankful that in this country and in this county, we have the choice as parents to decide which route we want to take. And that's a, that's a blessing. And uh, again, that's all the more why we need to be involved to keep these kind of blessings at our, for, for us to be able to have. All right. Well, we've run out of time. It was a wide ranging discussion, but I think an important one, just to summarize, we, I think we came to unanimous agreement that Christians can and should be involved in, in being salt and light in, in our communities and in our nation and, the political process affords one opportunity to do that uh, in regards to the schools, certainly at the local levels where we have the chance to be the most effective in influencing decisions and actions. Exactly. And so uh, we need to be involved in some way. Jack and Monty have chosen to run for school board. Uh, they think that may give them an opportunity to be effective in that way. And so we all got to think of those things. I guess the takeaway point tonight is we need to be light, we need to be salt, Jack, in the community and we need to be salt and light to our children. How yeah. you want to do that is your decision, but make sure you're doing it. You can't exactly. uh, you can't shirk that responsibility. Do right? it. Exactly. All right. Monty, thanks for being here. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And Jack, thank, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate, well, appreciate it. Good luck to both of you in your thank you. political aspect. Well, your when, when's the, uh, August what, 7th? August 7th. August 7th is the election. Early, in early voting is July 18th, so that's not too far off. All right. All right. Thank you yeah, all for being here. I know she didn't wear your badge. You no, I, I was trying to keep that out of <laughs> Today. All right. Thanks. I've got plenty, though, if you need them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Thank you, Dad, for your thanks, time. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.